Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, what's going on? I hope this episode finds you well, and I hope this episode leaves you better than when it found you. And I'm honored, as always, humbled, grateful to be a part of your journey. And if you're listening to this, chances are you are in the jungle, in the forest, right alongside with me. I can't say anything else other than I'm humbled to be right alongside you. Well, today is different in the sense that we come on here and we like to talk a lot about ideas. I I love to talk about ideas and get really esoteric with it and because I think that it's important to if we want to slay the dragon, if we want to beat the dragon, we've got to know what we're up against. And I and I think that that's really important to understanding the context of of the problem so that it can be defeated in, in all its ways or so that we can find as many ways in which we might be able to defeat it. And specifically today is one of those tools and one of those methods that we seem to have lost, that seems to have been integral to our ancestors, to previous generations, to previous civilizations and their way of life. And somehow ours have been lost and, and gone to the wayside. And I think that it's really affecting young men. Those young men turn into older men. Those older men oftentimes make decisions that impact everybody. And so if we want to start changing a lot of the bullshit that we see around us, it starts with with young boys. It starts with boys and helping them turn into men and actually facilitating that transition into manhood. And that's what we talk about today. And I think it's a really important conversation, but an equally simple tool to start using. So with that being said, I'm going to get out of the way, y'all. Let's get into today's interview with Stephen Arms. Stephen, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us today, my man. Absolutely, Hector. Thanks for having me. I gave a little intro for our listeners so they know a little bit about the background of you and the book and such, but would love for you to take us into your world today, you know, as a man, as a father, a husband, an author, just someone trying to navigate this world that we live in. What's something that's real or present for you that's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's with all of us, you know, time management. How do you spend your days? We're all limited to 24 hours a day. As men, we have responsibility towards our families. We have responsibility towards our work. We have responsibility towards ourselves, keeping yourself healthy. So really, I think one of the challenges is just every day thinking, how am I going to spend my time? And what's the best way to spend my time? Yeah, it's like a real choice, right? And the challenge is that some of those choices have like real consequences. And where you devote your time over the macro, I think can be really beneficial or harmful right? And as men, one of the things that's come up on the show is this idea of blind spots that like as men, we're not even aware that we're spending too much time here or not enough time there. I mean, there's no scoreboard necessarily unless you're creating one for yourself. But I imagine that juggling all those hats is something that a lot of guys can relate to. Yeah, you're talking about blind spots. And I think that really comes down to the importance of spending time with other high quality men who are trying to be leaders in their families as well. They're trying to live the best life possible. 
And when you see what other guys are doing, that can give you a template and an idea of how you should be spending your time too. You see guys like, oh, I really like what he does here, how dedicated he is to his family. That's something that I want to mimic. On the other hand, well, this guy doesn't really take care of his body very well, and I can see the consequences of that. So something that I want to focus on myself is spending time to work out every day. So I think you can see in other guys, the good and the bad, and learn from what other guys are doing. Yeah. One of the things that I find myself doing is you see these, especially on Instagram or wherever, social media, these people who are really successful and they're getting out of their whatever. And I'm like, but where are the kids? They don't have kids. They don't have kids. And and I think what it goes back to, though, is that there's a certain evolution that happens when all of a sudden you're not just responsible for yourself anymore, but you're responsible for your significant other. And then now you're, you're responsible for your kids and you layer on these responsibilities. There's a certain amount of growth that's required and I'm 31 now, my 21-year-old self just didn't have the experiences to even warrant those kinds of skills. And so it's kind of this thing that I think a lot of guys are dealing with. I have some buddies who now they're just getting married and they're just starting to have kids. And it's like, you think it was easy. Just dealing with yourself is one thing, but now trying to navigate and manage all of these different plates, it's a different level of complexity that it's not just a one plus one kind of variance. It's really this exponential kind of growth in terms of difficulty and challenge and the amount of whatever that's required out of you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think in a way it's like stepping up the ladder of manhood. You move out of your parents' house at 18, and that's a big step up the ladder of manhood, and you're responsible for yourself. And then you get married, and that's another step up. You're responsible for your spouse. Definitely, once the kids come, that's another step up the ladder of manhood. You're totally right. And I think it speaks to your life's work, but definitely what you're focused on now, which is helping young men, helping boys go through these experiences that prepare them for the next stage of life. And I look back at things like moving away to college or moving out of the house or starting my first business. Or like you said, there are these key moments that forced that growth on me, but only because there was nothing else there to signify that start, to let me know, hey, here are the things to start working on, to start preparing me. So let's just get into it. Take us back because you've written a whole book. This has been your thing in terms of the rite of passage. Unfortunately, you're going to have to give us context on where to start in terms of where you think is the best place to start. And perhaps I'll shade the conversation with one thing that we've talked a lot about, men's mental health and the fact that more men are dying by suicide and depression and alcoholism and all these deaths of what I think they're called deaths of despair that are happening to men at a much more accelerated rate than women and how that might play into what you do in terms of rites of passage. So there's an extremely complicated question for you, but tell us about your work and tell us about why you've been so passionate about it. Yeah, I think we can definitely get to that level of some of the struggles that men deal with. But I would say as a way to begin the conversation, let's talk about what a rite of passage is. A rite of passage is essentially that first step on the ladder of manhood that we were talking about. A lot of guys out there, they don't even know about this ladder of manhood that you and I are referring to, Hector. They don't even know that they are men and that manhood for them probably began long ago. A rite of passage is an event that a boy can look back on in his life and say, that was the moment that I became a man. When we look at cultures from around the world, we see these examples of these coming-of-age ceremonies. The most well-known might be the bar mitzvah in the Jewish faith. That's how, in the Jewish faith, a boy achieves the status of man. 
Another example would be the walkabout in Aboriginal Australian society. And in that rite of passage, the boy of the tribe is literally sent out to survive on his own in the wilderness for three to six months at a time. And when he comes back from that, he's no longer considered to be a boy, but he's considered to be a man of the tribe and he's eligible for marriage. What I'm curious about is without these things, what happens if a guy doesn't have these rites of passage? Without a rite of passage, a boy is going to try to prove his manhood to himself in one way or another. And there's a lot of different ways that that might look like. One could be violence. You hear guys talking about who's the bigger man. You know, when boys are fighting each other, engaging in violence, they're essentially trying to prove their manhood. If you can physically dominate another boy, then you are a better man than him in theory. So violence would be one. Another would be the sexual conquest of women. You hear guys say things like, she made a man out of me. One might be extreme stunts. You see some teenage boys doing crazy things like jumping off of cliffs, jumping off of bridges, you know, huge jumps on their dirt bikes or their skateboards. And don't get me wrong, I have nothing against adrenaline or doing fun things or sports. I'm all for that stuff. But I think in the absence of a rite of passage, a boy is going to try to prove his manhood to himself, try to prove I have what it takes to be a man, because no one's ever told him that he's a man. Maybe the best example is in gang culture. When boys get caught up in gangs, there's oftentimes this rite of passage that they have to go through, whether it's beating up someone from a rival gang or them getting beat up themselves from the gang members to prove themselves, to prove how tough and macho they are. All of this is just ways that boys are trying to prove their manhood to themselves. Yeah. In the presence of a structure like a sport, right, where there's a team and there's a coach and there's some sort of, let's call it leader or mentor, where it was not just about what the group thought of you, but there were some higher ideals, there were some higher values that were actually creating the criteria through which, quote unquote, someone was cool or not, right? But if that criteria is left to a bunch of boys to decide, then that's how you get locker room culture, or that's how you get these stunts, or you get these acting out in order to prove something to these other boys. I think the challenge is that there's no ideal or nothing to look up to. And so I cut you off a little bit, but I think we've got some good context on what these rite of passages are. Keep going and also talk about some of the structures and kind of, you know, what's behind it. Because I think people are realizing like, yeah, we're missing that. But what might that actually look like in today's world? Yeah. So as you alluded to, Hector, there really isn't an equivalent coming of age ceremony in modern Western culture. We don't have anything around the age of puberty when a boy turns 13. His body is starting to become a man. There's nothing that we have to support our young people as they make the transition from boyhood to manhood or from girlhood to womanhood. And for that reason, my grandfather and my dad actually developed a rite of passage weekend for my brothers and I as we were growing up. And really, it came down to what you and I have been talking about, all the crazy things that teenage boys do. My dad was afraid that we were going to get caught up in that. So he wanted to do something special for us on our 13th birthdays to affirm our identity as men so that as we entered into those crazy teenage years, We didn't feel the need to prove ourselves so much. So the rite of passage that I outline in the book is the rite of passage that I experienced myself as a 13-year-old. 
Yeah, talk to us about that experience because I think it's a really cool one. I'm sure that it was inspired and that your family took elements of things, but it's not like this is some medieval tradition that was passed down. Your dad saw a need and made something happen and created something that started to work and you guys continued to bring more people into the family and now it's expanded past that. But I also think that's important to note that it wasn't like he found it on some scroll that was left in some chest passed down, but that we as men have the opportunity to implement this into our bloodlines into our family trees like now without needing anything other than just listening to this podcast. Yeah. And I think that goes back to the fact my dad could have given us the Australian Aboriginal walkabout. He could have just sent us off into the wilderness for three months and said, when you come back, you're a man. But that's a culturally relevant rite of passage for that culture. It's not relevant for our culture. So really, when he was developing this, he was asking himself, what would be helpful for a boy growing up in the early 2000s to help him formulate his identity as a man? And that's how he developed The weekend. And I'll start by saying that The weekend doesn't just involve the boy's dad, but it involves all of the close male role models in a boy's life. So for me, that was my dad, my grandfather, and two of my uncles. The thinking behind there is, you know, absolutely dad is the most important male role model in a boy's life. He's what your son is looking up to every day, thinking this is what it means to be a man. Look no further than dad. He's role model number one. But at the same time, around the age of 13, there's this tension developing between father and son, right? The boy wants to spread his wings, gain more independence. So he doesn't necessarily always want to listen to what dad has to say. But by getting other men involved on the weekend in his rite of passage experience, it helps to break through to the boy in a way that he might actually listen. So it might be some piece of advice that dad has been saying for the last two years, like it's important to keep your room clean, but the boy just dismisses it, right? Hearing that same piece of advice coming from the mouth of a man who's not his dad, the boy is like, oh, I never thought about that before. Like a light bulb goes off in his head. So getting other men, not just the boy's dad, involved in the weekend is a crucial component to it. You mentioned something that your dad said about crafting their identity as a man. Can you talk a little bit about what that means or what you've learned about how someone might, I don't know if personalize is the right word or individuate, I don't even know if that is a word, but like how to make it so that it's real and relevant to this individual. Is there ways to tweak or adjust or are there knobs that you can turn to make it more for that particular individual? Yeah, absolutely. Every boy is different and every family is different. So what my family did for my rite of passage weekend is probably going to look different than what the listeners of this podcast, what their rite of passage weekends might look like. And definitely even within the weekend for the different boys, they look different. The cool thing about the rite of passage tradition in my family is that once you have gone through the weekend and you're officially considered to be a man in the family, then you're eligible to be one of those male mentors for the younger boys as they come of age. So I had a rite of passage weekend myself when I turned 13, but I also got to go along on the rite of passage weekends for my two younger brothers and my two younger cousins. So personally, I got to go on five of these weekend trips. To answer your question about how to individualize the weekend for each boy, one of the first things that we always did was have an icebreaker activity for the boy and the men just to spend some time together. I had an uncle who lives down by you, Hector, down in Los Angeles. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I didn't see him very often. And having a icebreaker activity helps to reestablish that relationship, touch base with the man, help the boy open up a little bit. 
So my icebreaker activity was we all went out to the lake and went fishing together for a couple hours. Ever since I have been a kid, I've always loved being outdoors, fishing, getting your hands dirty. That kind of stuff is fun for me. In comparison, one of my younger cousins, he's more of a tech kid, you know, grew up with the iPhone and the internet more prevalent than I did. So for him, his icebreaker, we went to an arcade and played laser tag. There were bumper carts, go-karts. There was a baseball pitching machine. So there are ways to make each individual rite of passage unique for each individual kid. Yeah. What are the other components throughout the weekend? So the weekend itself is made up of seven different rituals. And maybe a good way to start is just by listing those seven rituals by name. So the first is an entrance ceremony, and then is a discussion of what it means to be a man. The third is a scripture sharing exercise. The fourth is the giving of a family heirloom. The fifth ritual is the giving of letters to the boy. Number six is character trait ritual, where each man looks at his positive and negative character traits. And then number seven is the culmination of the weekend. It's the formal bestowing of the title of man. And that's the end of the weekend when the dad or the grandfather looks the boy in his eye and says, in this family, you are no longer considered to be a boy, but you are officially a man, just like one of us. And that's really what the whole weekend is about. It's about bestowing the title of man upon your son. Does the order matter? I mean, for people who are like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, that sounds good, but let me do it this way. What would you say to someone who's like, all right, that sounds cool, but we'd rather just like go out, rent an Airbnb and have a good time. All of that structure, all of that scripture, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But why is that necessary? Or why have you found that to be necessary? The structure is necessary because it helps to provide meaning to the weekend. If you put a group of four guys and a boy in a cabin for the weekend, there's going to be this tendency to just go out and fish the entire time, right? To stay at the trivial level and never talk about things that are truly important as men, what it means to be a man, or talking about God, talking about the challenges that men face, talking about your positive and negative character traits, right? And it doesn't have to be the rituals that I just shared. You can come up with your own rituals, but without rituals, there's a tendency for men to just stay at the trivial level and talk about things that don't really matter. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? I'm going to let you take it one of two ways, because one of the things I want to talk about is the stigma that has prevented this... I would imagine that so many guys are going to meet resistance from other members of their family, their wives, the moms. What are you doing? What is this? So that's a conversation I want to have. But also, before we move past some of the technicalities and the details of it, are there any other things? Because I, I imagine that there are some guys out there who are hearing this and going, I need to do this like right now. Because when I heard your conversation with one of our previous guests, Ted Faden, I was like, we need to do this. This didn't happen for me. But maybe that's a conversation to have. Is it too late to start? If someone is sitting there and they're listening to this and they're in their 30s, wherever they're at, right? How does someone approach that? I think actually that's probably a good conversation to have because someone might be thinking, yeah, but it's too late. Do you have any responses to that? Speaking about your situation yourself, let's just take a 31-year-old, for example. It's like, you are a man, Hector. You've been a man for a long time. In fact, I would consider you to be a leader among men because you have this podcast. So for someone like you, I don't think that you need a rite of passage at this stage in your life. You've been a man for a long time. You're on that level four or five on that ladder of manhood, right? 
you've been climbing that ladder for the last decade. Now it's your job to turn around and help the next generation to begin their journeys on that ladder of manhood and then help them up as they grow up and they get older themselves. I know for some guys, I've gotten that question before. What if you never experienced something like this? Does that mean that you can't be involved? No, absolutely not. Most guys have never had something like this. Most guys don't know about something like this, but that doesn't mean that you can't be involved. Absolutely not. For common friends of the show, Rich Christensen, he popularized having a variety of rites of passages at a variety of stages and ages, you know, one at eight, one right around this time in that teenage 13-ish stage, another around, around 18. And I think maybe there was some other ones, but is that how you see things where there is room and perhaps need for other rites of passages at other stages of life? Or is that in your mind, this is the one and this is the one that's needed? I would say this is the one and this is the one that's needed. Modern culture doesn't have a coming of age ceremony and that's what this is meant to replace. This is what it's meant to create. So I would say the benefit of having one distinct rite of passage event is that your son will look back at this weekend, he'll look back at this rite of passage event and know that was the moment that I became a man, right? It was that weekend, that day, when my dad looked me in the eye on the deck shook my hand and told me that he considers me to be a man. When your dad does that, you never question it yourself growing up. I've heard it from other guys saying having a 10-year-old rite of passage followed up by a 13-year-old followed up by an 18-year-old. I tend to disagree with that idea because then you're not providing your son with one distinct moment of this is when you've officially started your journey as a man. So I think that there should be one. Now, that being said, just because you've been told by your dad that you're a man now, manhood is still a process. This rite of passage is just the very beginning of that process. So when you turn 18 and you move out of your parents' house, that in a way is like a rite of passage. But what we argue is that the formal bestowing of the title of man should occur well before a boy turns 18. We're going to take a quick break here, Stephen. We're going to come back and I want to talk about this. We're going to shift gears and, and I think we're going to take it into the sense of if some guy is going out there and wanting to do this, I would imagine that there's going to be some resistance, you know, whether it's internally or externally. We're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content creation company. And so if you have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't necessarily have the time, the tech skills of the team to be able to do it, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back into today's episode. So Stephen, another theme that we try and tackle on this show is this, I don't know, I haven't been able to articulate it, but there seems to be some attack on masculinity. And whether that is a, a natural evolution, whether there's actually some people sitting in a room saying we need to take down the patriarchy, whether it's just people who are outraged. I just can imagine that when you try and come around and do something as good as this, as giving men permission to be men, that some people are going to have a problem with that. Has that been the case with you or have you been met with open arms from every single person? I would not say that I've been met with open arms from every single person. I mean, definitely I've gotten resistance from some people. Why do they find fault or what problems do they have with what you're trying to bring to the world? Well, one thing that people say is that 13 years old is too young to become a man, that I don't want to tell my son that 
he's a man at the age of 13. Does that usually come from a woman? It comes from men and women. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And to that, I would say you look at these other examples of rites of passages around the world, and they're all around that age, 12, 13, 14 years old. The bar mitzvah is 13 years old. The walkabout is 13, 14 years old. So when we look around the world, it's always when the boy, when his body is starting to make that transition from boyhood to manhood, he's going into puberty. And what I argue is that it's beneficial, it's better to tell your son that he's a man too early rather than too late. By the time a boy is 18, he's probably made some pretty important life decisions, who to date, what to study in college, what to do for work, what he's going to do after he moves out of mom and dad's house. He's probably made those decisions by the time he's 18. Having a rite of passage, hearing those words from his dad or another important male role model in his life that you are a man, those are the words that he needs to hear around that age of 13. Well, I heard something, I think it was Chris Williamson said that our identity lags behind both what people see in us and also our own internal aspirations often. If we all of a sudden say that at 18, okay, you're a man, it's going to take some figuring out, some learning, some adjustments, some evolving to actually become and embody that. And so to that point, I think they're not understanding that it's not saying that you're complete as a man, but that now your journey has begun. Now you can start to take up that cross or that boulder or that whatever, that this will be a plight of yours and it's going to sit next to you and you can either pretend it's not there or you can start pushing it up the hill and use it as an opportunity for growth. I think that's great. I ran into somebody who's told me that just because I was starting this show, they said, well, that's really sexist. Helping men to understand what it means to be a man in today's world is inherently sexist. I would imagine that that same mindset must creep into somebody who says, well, what are you doing to boys? I can only imagine where their brain goes. Does that ever come up or is that not something you've run into either? I have not personally run into that one. I can definitely see people taking it that way. I think as our society, as our culture, life in the last hundred years has gotten immensely easier, especially in the last 50 years. The jobs that we work are much easier than they were a hundred years ago. And I think that's one reason why we see this kind of melding, this kind of mixing of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman are kind of becoming almost the same. Men and women are starting to dress the same. I mean, to take it this way, like you look at what people eat and how it changes their bodies, the female and the male figure are starting to become the same round. Don't say that. (laughs) We're standing against that. Well, but okay, but I know that that's kind of where it's going. Is that what you... And I don't like to use the word right, because I don't think that there's right. But going back to this building up what they believe is in a man, and this has been part of the show, but part of me still believes that is distinct, even energetically, from the feminine, that the masculine is distinct from the feminine, and whether you're male or female or whatever, like that's not for me to decide. But that in becoming a man, is that distinctly and inherently different from becoming a woman? Yes, And one reason why I say that is because on these weekends, and this is a controversial thing that people do give me guff about, is that it's only men that are involved at a boy's rite of passage weekend and vice versa at a girl's rite of passage weekend. It's only the women of the family who are invited to attend that trip. And the reason is because part of our family's rite of passage weekend is that there is a discussion of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a good man. 
So what does it mean to be a man and how do you become a good man? Just because you're a man doesn't mean you're a good man. It takes time to go from man to good man. So a big chunk of the weekend is just having a discussion amongst the group of how do we become good men ourselves? Because women cannot have that conversation of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good man, it would be inappropriate to invite them along on one of these weekends. And like I said, vice versa, I don't have any sisters, but my female cousins all got one of these weekends when they turned 13. And they had conversations about what it means to be a woman. And there were no men involved in those conversations. It was just the women of the family who were giving the girl advice about how to be a woman, how to be a good woman. Yeah, I can just imagine that alone is such a controversial topic, Stephen. You know, the idea of being a good man or being a good woman and how I think that's a sad, sad reality, but perhaps a needed one in our evolution as a society. It's important to see contrast, to know, well, that's not what we want. And then to be able to, you know, readjust and, and reacclimate for what we do want. When you think back over however many rites of passages have been spurned from your dad's initial one, are there any ones that you look back on and you're like, wow, I'm glad we did that because if we didn't do that, this might not have happened? Or were there any ones that seem to really take root and have maybe a perhaps a larger impact than other ones? But I'd imagine that if, if a guy made it this far, they're probably on board. But if for anybody who's still skeptical and going, ah, yeah, but I don't think that that's really worth it. Is there any stories that might shake that awareness a little bit? I mean, honestly, all of the weekends I was a part of were home run weekends. And it's not just for the boy. At 13 years old, you're getting this advice from these grown men in your lives. You don't really have a lot of life experience to counterbalance what they're saying or to soak in what they're saying. So to be honest, as a 13-year-old boy, a lot of it goes over your head. But the other men that are attending the trip, the weekend is just as beneficial to them as it is for the 13-year-old boy. Every time our family did one of these, we looked at each other and we're like, man, I wish we could do this once a year rather than just whenever a boy turns 13. You know, it's beneficial not just for the boy, but it's beneficial for the other men who are attending as well. And I'll just speak because I did have a rite of passage myself at 13 years old. I'll speak to how it really impacted my life and really... When I look back at it, two things stick out. One is it gave me a really tight bond with my dad, my grandfather, and my uncles growing up. During the weekend, one thing that gets said very often is like, we are a tribe of men. You can come to talk to us about anything. We love you unconditionally. We will always have your best interests at heart. So if you ever come into kind of a rough patch in life or you have questions, please come to us for advice. As a 13-year-old boy, I kind of just shook my head up and down and said, okay, that sounds good. But it wasn't until I got into college eight years later, and I really started to question everything. I questioned my belief in God, the way I was raised. I was nervous to tell my parents, hey, mom, dad, I'm not sure if I believe in God anymore, because I didn't want to disappoint them. But I remembered back to that rite of passage weekend that I had at 13 years old and how they said, you can talk to us about anything. We will love you unconditionally. And that gave me the confidence to go back to my dad and my grandfather and have those conversations about faith and about God with them. So hindsight is 2020. I'm not sure what would have happened otherwise, but I would say there's a good chance that without this weekend, I would not be a practicing Christian today. That's one way that it really impacted my life is that it gave me 
the trust to talk to my dad and my grandfather and it gave me an amazing bond with them. The second way that this weekend really impacted me was I never questioned my identity as a man. And what I mean by that is as I went through high school, went through Boy Scouts growing up in the teenage years, inevitably there were parents or teachers who would say, boys, boys, settle down, you know, class, settle down. And immediately, whenever another adult referred to me as a boy, even though it was part of a group, whenever they said boys, the first thought in my mind was, I'm not a boy. I'm a man. I'm a man because my dad told me when I was 13 years old during my rite of passage weekend. So I never really questioned my identity as a man. And honestly, growing up, I thought that was normal. I thought that everyone, every family kind of had some sort of rite of passage tradition in their family, that every boy knew the exact moment when he became a man. And it wasn't until I, in my early 20s, was having conversations with grown men at this time. They're getting married. And I had a buddy who was getting married. And he asked me, you know, he's thinking about becoming a father, becoming a spouse. And I was the best man at his wedding. And he looked at me, this was before his wedding. And he said, Hey, Steve, when was the first time you considered to be yourself a man? I was like, I told him the story about my rite of passage weekend. And he's like, that's, that's amazing. Like, I can't wait to give my son something like that. If I have a boy, that's so cool. And that was the moment that I realized like, oh, I didn't know that other men questioned their identity as men. Like they're not sure when their manhood began. And so for me, it was very clear. And I think that's one of the second really important part of the weekend is that it makes it very clear to your son when he becomes a man. Stephen, we're going to wrap it up right there because that cannot have ended on a better moment. If people want to find out about you, the mission, the movement, where's the best place to go? So we have a website, milestonetomanhood.com. You can pick up a copy of the book there or you can pick it up on Amazon. Another free resource we have on our website you know, Hector, you talked about some of the resistance that listeners might have internally, or they might be getting externally from spouses or from other men. We have email templates on our website for how to organize one of these weekends. So if you're a dad and you want to organize a rite of passage weekend for your son, literally all you have to do is identify three or four other guys to go along with you, and then go to our website, copy these emails, paste them into the body of an email and send them off. We don't ask for your email address. We know guys don't want to get spammed. We don't charge for these. It's literally copy and paste. So if you ever wanted to explain what a rite of passage is and why you want to hold one for your son, that's our first email template. So I would direct your listeners to go there if you're interested in organizing one of these. I love it. Fantastic. Guys, this has been exciting. Hopefully eye-opening. I know it was for me the first time I heard Stephen talk, so I had to bring him to you. If you made it this far, we would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And, and if you know another guy who's going through something or, or needs to hear this, please send it to him. And uh, go and get your first rite of passage or figure out how you can bring this to the people who need it in your world and uh, let Stephen know how that goes. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the tribe, y'all. We'll see you on the next one.